Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Well, we're in a new series called Creating... Well, I've actually called it Creating Margin. Started out with margin, but now it's called Creating Margin. And I uh, thought that would be a better thing to, to uh, be a bit more proactive in it. And I just want to quickly recap some of the stuff last time because I said a lot last time and I just want to try and bring some headlines to it if we can. Um, you know, for instance, the definition of margin is margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. The amount available beyond what is necessary. And we talked about a few things there. If you had to make a trip and you had half an hour to get there and it took 20 minutes to do the trip, if you 20 minutes to do the trip, there's 10 minutes margin in that. And it's the difference between what you have and what you need. And... And I, I, I got to the point in the preach that said something like this, saying no to the many good things in life says yes to the most important things in our lives. Saying no to the many good things in our lives helps us say yes to the best things in our lives. And, and we looked at Martha, Martha and Mary's story in the Bible and uh, we had a look at that and had some fun with that. But there were some, some points that I just want to re-emphasize because they, they are great points for our life. If our margin decreases, our stress increases. If our margin in our life decreases, you can guarantee our stress increases. The other thing is as our margin decreases, our relational intimacy decreases. And we talked about two aspects of that, both with God and with people. In, you know, and and it, it's, it's, it's not being conformed to the pattern of this world. That, that's what we came back to, that Romans 12, 2 verse. And it says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And uh, we, we, we need to, as people need to make intentional, proactive space in our lives to be able to do the things that God wants us to do. You know, and, and, and if we left it to life, to the world, to our culture, we would just be busy, 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 busy all the time. And, and we need to make sure we have time to be intimate with our God. And, and that was one of the points we got to in that, you know, that we have to have that time. And that's where I challenge you with the five minutes, to do five minutes with God. Just listen, not talking, not asking, not, not requesting not, not supplication, just, just sitting with God and listening for his small, still voice. And I know Robin's already asked you how he went with that, but I want to challenge you to go to another level this, this week. Why don't you try for 10 minutes? Why don't you try for 10 minutes? Why don't you try for 15? Oh, just saw Blake and Sarah. <laughs> G'day, guys. How you going? <laughs> Hiding in behind there. A newlywed couple, so it's great. I've got notes. I have got notes, so I'm good. Um, Matthew uh, 11, 29, 28 and 29 actually. And, and we talked about, you know, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. And, and for many of us, we have no margin to have intentional times of rest. You know, we, we, we live a busy life and the culture in our world dictates that we live this full busy life. We feel like we're wasting time if we're not flat out. And in fact, God says something quite different. We need to time and create margin to, to rest, to sit, 
to meditate on his word, to consider, to refresh, to seek God's face and not conform to the pattern of this world, but actually sit at Jesus' feet, just like Mary did in that story. You know, to take some space, to take a Sabbath. Yes, work hard for six days, but have a day of rest. Make sure you have a day of rest. And, and, and Sabbath, the Sabbath day isn't just about um, not working. It's actually honoring God in that day. It's actually designed to, to seriously, really is um, designed to actually worship God you know, in that day. So, so make sure you, you, you give that an emphasis in the process. Um, you know, Chris spoke last week and, uh, and he spoke on being a light in our world. And, and I thought, wow, that fitted so well in this series. So I actually included in the series of, of creating margin because we need to create margin to actually reach people in our lives. You know, it's okay to be busy, 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 doing, doing, doing. But if we're not actually doing what God wants us to do, we're actually missing the point. As Christians... We need to be the light in our families, in our world, in our community, everywhere. We need to be that light. And we need to have margin in our lives to actually be able to do that. So we don't just look like the world. We don't respond like the world. We don't do things like the world. We do things like God would want us to do, like Jesus Christ. And it's very interesting to me that we can live a Christian cultural life, but it can be powerless. It can be powerless. And to live the life that God wants us to do, we have actually got to create that margin in our lives to worship him, but then also to be the light in every circumstance. You know, that's exactly the the case in that good Samaritan. You know, the Samaritan man, he did what was not normal. You see, he wasn't supposed to even uh, to associate or even speak to Jewish Hebrew men. You know, they, they, they hated each other virtually. But this guy created margin to be compassionate. And he went way beyond what was normal. And he actually paid for this. He, he picked up this guy, he repaired him, he, he put him on his donkey, and he paid for him to, to, to get well. And you think, wow, that's loving our neighbour as the way Jesus would want us to do. So we mustn't conform to the pattern of this world. We mustn't conform to what we think is normal uh, because that's so easy to get caught up in that, the busyness, the doing Otherwise, we miss the power, we miss the transformation that comes. And, uh, and so that's a quick recap of the last two weeks. If you want to get it, it's on iTunes, on our podcast, all that. You can listen to those, and it's worthwhile doing that. Now, this morning, I'm going to talk about making, creating margin in our finances. And I know in church, you know, it can be a bit confronting when someone starts talking about money and different things. So I'd like to have a young child to play on video to just to soften the blow a little. And uh, so can we throw, throw that video up and uh, that might help. Thanks. And that's basically my message summed up. Have less, give more. Um, create margin in our finances. That, that's really what it comes down to here. C- creating financial margin. You know, um, you, so let me, let me say this. Um, if you want to turn to Proverbs 21 while I'm getting ready for this, um, we've become, it's become so normal to think that financial stress and pressure is part of our normal lives. And, and I just want to help you this morning understand that I don't think that is the case. You know, we, we're so used to living paycheck to paycheck. We're so used to having our monthly payments and debt and worry and anxiety and, and, and pain and fear and all those things are, are part of our life. 
when in fact, oh, I don't think that's the way we should do. In fact, it brings tension into relationships and, and marriages. You think, well, that's just normal. No, it's not. I, I don't think it's normal. It's normal what the world thinks is normal, but I actually don't think it's the way Jesus would want us to live. It's, it's conforming to the pattern of this world. And, and if you're talking about finances and about margin, you know, if you earn $3,000 and you spend, you know, in a month and you spend two and a half, that means you've got $500 margin. If you make 3000 you spend 3000 that means you've got nil margin. If you make 3000 and spend 3500 then you've got a problem because you've got to find where that's coming from. And, and margin is the amount available beyond what is necessary. Um, you know, why would we need margin in our lives? Why, why would we need that? You know, here's some things, you know. Money available to help others. You know that 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 who's maybe got need. There's, there'll be money available when you can give, rather than give and feel stressed about that. There actually be a margin to help you give out of that margin. Uh, uh, have money to do something enjoyable, for instance. You know, so so there's reasons to have uh, get some margins with our finances. I believe um, margin is the ability to be financially at rest. And I know this is, this is a challenging concept because it's not the, what the world tells us. It's not what we will get from our friends. It'll not be what we hear on television. It'll not be what the, the investment gurus will be telling us to do. Um, this, is, this is what Jesus is, is telling us to do. And we're going to look at a little bit more of what the Scripture talks about here this morning. Here's the deal, though. Financial margin, i found, is what most people don't have. Financial margin is what most people don't have. And I believe God wants you and me to have more financial margin in our lives. Let's have a look at Proverbs 21.20. And it's a great verse. And it says this, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. There's more than enough. Then it goes on, But a foolish man devours all he has. So in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In the house of the wise there is margin. In the house of the wise there is more than enough. In the house of the wise there is more than you actually need. And, but a foolish person would say, I'm going to use it all. I'm going to use it all up and devours all he has. You know, the Bible doesn't say in the house of the wealthy there is margin. In the house of the wealthy, there is margin. It doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say in the home of two-income families, there is margin. It doesn't say that. In the house where there's a six-figure income, there is margin. No, it doesn't say that. It actually doesn't say that. It says in the house of the wise. And, 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 and in the house of the wise, there's more than enough. You know, I had to think a little bit back because I didn't want to use a current example of this, but I, I thought back to to our Macquarie days. And I remember going to two people, two families' houses. And and one person, one guy, um, his philosophy was to use other people's money to make money. He 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 in the time of inflation actually was a reasonably good strategy, I guess, um, when interest rates were low. And so I went to his house and he had a house on the lake. Beautiful house, huge house, enormous house, all beautifully fitted out. Beautiful luxury cars in his driveway, magnificent. 
Um, everything about the house was exactly in its place. All the grass was beautifully clipped. All the things were in a beautifully placed. Acres of granites and stuff in the kitchen. It was just a beautiful, beautiful house. And I was impressed. I was impressed. Um, I thought they're doing well. They're doing well. Look at the house, they're doing well. Look at the cars, they're doing well. Uh, but truthfully, I, I now know enough of their story to say they weren't doing great. It was basically a facade. And the wife was working hard as anything just to try and make ends meet. She wanted to be home with the kids, but she was working flat out. The guy was working six, seven days a week, long hours. In the household, there was stress. You know, and that's where I, I got to found, find out there was problems because I got involved in that. There was, there was tense at home, there was fights, there was stress, there was money problems consistently. And, and the deal was they were just trying to keep up the appearances. They were trying to keep up this lifestyle thing. Um, and it ended badly, badly, I'm sad to say. Another friend I could think of in the same sort of period, I went to their place. And it was just a little cottage on a little street and uh, you walked in the front door and you could tell the kids had used the front yard really well for playing and, and the, you know, it wasn't bad. It was just, it was well used. It was a family home, a smaller place. Uh, everything was in a nice place. It was just enough, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad or anything. It was a functional kitchen. The things in there worked well. They had you know, two cars in the garage. One was for work, and, and, but they were more experienced cars. And when I went over to their home, I got the real sense that they loved their home. They actually loved their home. And the thing was, I could almost feel the margin in their lives. I could actually, I could actually almost feel they had space in their lives. There was space for in finances. There was space for their kids. There was space for the couple as a, a couple, as a spouse, and like the husband and wife. But there was space for friends. They made space for friends. They were very welcoming and very generous, actually. And they'd chosen a simpler lifestyle. This guy was a businessman. He was in business. And and, and when we sat down on their paid lounge, paid-for lounge, and watched their smaller-than-average-sized screen, I could see the way they interacted with their kids. I could see a very different scenario to the house I'd been in previously, where they had the huge screen, had all the nice leather lounges, the nice shiny surfaces everywhere, but you could just tell there was something different about that. And there was a peace, there was a lack of tension, if you like. Uh, but most people with untrained eyes would walk in there and go, oh, these guys aren't rich. These are, you know, well, they must be doing it tough. But I think we've defined rich the wrong way. I think we've defined rich the wrong way for way too long. We've allowed the world to dictate to us what rich actually means. And if it's a big house and tension and stress and problems and issues, I don't want it. I don't want it. To me, that is very poor. That's not rich at all. And, and when you see a home with margin in it, where there's margin to help people, there's margin to go out of their ways, where there's margin to take a day off to help someone move house, where there's a margin to give money to something, there's a margin to volunteer in the church as the girl did, as the mum did. And in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, 
but a foolish one devours all he has. The wise and the foolish. And can I tell you, this couple, they, um, they chose to take a couple of years out. They bought an old bus and they did uh, MMM, Mobile Missions Maintenance. And they, they travelled around the countryside and built churches, basically. That's what it's designed to do. Go and either renovate or build churches and, or, or not-for-profit places. And they chose to take a couple of years out with their boys, two boys, and just go and do that for two years. They homeschooled them while they were travelling around. They had margin in their lives. And I loved it because they, life was an adventure for them. You know, they didn't take themselves too seriously. They didn't take their house too seriously. They loved it. They enjoyed it. But it, they allowed margin in their lives financially to do what they felt God, like God was telling them to do. Now, I don't know how you, what you're thinking about when I'm talking about this margin thing. What's your margins like financially? How, how's your life looking? How's, that, how's it looking for you? Because I believe God wants us to have margin in our lives. I truly believe it. Creating margin, making room for what really matters. <laughs> Let's have a look at what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 10. We can always see these two families highlighted in this verse. You know, the small home margin could be this. The Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I want you to understand, Paul didn't say this is a little gain, a bit of a gain, you know, a little, little improvement. You, you can always hear the passion in his voice when he says this. This is a great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain in our lives. And we so often live with discontentment and we've got the, the, so much stuff that we're tripping over it. <laughs> As this says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's a big deal. It's it's huge. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we can be content with that. It is great gain. Then there's the other families that look like they're doing well but really, really aren't. The Bible says this in verse 9. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. See, money is not evil, but the love of money is. You need to know that distinction. You see, we, we need money. We, we, we use money. We, we, we can give money. We can, there's lots of good things we can do with money. But money is not evil, it's our love of money that is actually evil and, and drives us to do things that don't, don't line up with God's will. Some people, eager for money and things, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. What would be many griefs? What, what would those griefs be that we'd see today? You know, one grief might be debt causing tremendous grief, financial pressure causing grief, stress causing grief, financial tension over money causing terrific grief in our lives, people unable to meet their, 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 their payment and, 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 the, and therefore unable to enjoy the blessings that come as a consequence of the amazing blessed life that we have. You know, I don't know if you, I mean, I loved hearing Ben and, and what he was saying about Turkey and I've been to Turkey and it's just like, it's quite a prosperous place but they're, they're, they're 
the Muslim beliefs are very cultural from what I could work out. They're very much ingrained in the way they do life. And, and we can get the same sort of thing in our lives. We can live by the world standards and go, I have to have this, I have to have that. Uh, unless I've got this looking good, it's not going to work for me. I'm not going to live up like people are going to judge me. All those sorts of ridiculous thing, things that we think. So what's the problem? Why is it so many of us trade margin and flexibility, security, peace, and those sorts of things for material things in our lives? Why is that? It's because our world is convincing us of the lie. It's a lie. The culture is lying to us over and over and over again, over again. You see, our culture is telling us that's happiness. That's happiness. And, and, and what's the definition of happiness? Yeah, I've got it here, I think, on the screen. A culture definition of happiness is more than I currently have. <laughs> more than I currently have. So guess what? We can never be content. If we use that as a definition of happiness in our lives, we can never be content because we're always looking for more. Always looking for more. I need that and I need this and, and when I get that, then I'll be happy. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll be looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. See, our world is telling us a lie, an absolute lie. And whatever you have, it's not enough. It won't be enough. It won't fill that void because you want something else. Then you'll be happy. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. And, and, and our world and our advertising tells you, you deserve it. You deserve it. If you can't afford it, just get this interest-free thing. You know, it'll, it'll make you happy. Get it because it will make you happy. I, I know it will. And, and you've got to have it now. I've got to have it instantaneously. I see it, I've got to have it, you know. I mean, I don't know about you, but young people, my goodness. This, this, and I'm not talking to our young married couple, by the way, but I've seen young couples get married, 20-somethings, and they want the same level as what their parents have got. They want to start, when their parents have been going for 30 years, they want the same level of luxury and, and furniture and cars as, as what their parents have, when they've been slogging away for 30 years. And it's just dumb. It's just dumb. It's putting too much pressure on you and your lifestyle. It, it, it's a world telling us a lie. It's an absolute lie. Absolute lie. You know, and, and the thing is, Truly, we are so blessed. We are so blessed. And yet we can live without gratitude. We can live without this thankfulness. We can live in this place of striving and desiring more and more and more. Look, I don't know if you realise, but we live in a blessed country. I know sometimes you don't see that because you get heads down the sand and we live in an amazingly blessed country. We, we live in an amazingly blessed region, you know. We, we do. And, and we get so consumed with the more sometimes, we even forget how blessed we actually are. And, and here's the thing. In our culture, most of us have lifestyled our way straight past our margin. We've lifestyled our way straight past our mar margin. See, the problem isn't our income... Most of you are saying, oh, yeah, but if I made more money, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be able to afford that and this. 
So the income isn't the problem. It's our lifestyle is the issue. You see, as we make more money, our lifestyle trails our income. And all of a sudden, where we used to make X amount of dollars, now we're making X plus 100, and our lifestyle went from there to X plus 100. And our our lifestyle is the problem. And and if you want to look at it even a little bit deeper, um, it's not just a lifestyle problem, it's actually a spiritual problem. It's actually a spiritual problem. We have actually a spiritual problem in this. You know, Jesus talks about in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. So many of us do the opposite to that. We, we store up this stuff. We think that's what life's all about. That's the goal, to store up this stuff. That's what we want. Jesus said, don't do that. Don't do that. Store up treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And a fair translation of that verse would be, where your money goes, there your heart follows. There your heart follows. You know, the truth is, and I'm being pretty blunt with you this morning, the truth is, on average, in our nation, Christians give about 2 or 3% of their income. On average. On average. So therefore, that means we're giving to the world 98 97% to the world, and 2 or 3% to God. That means 98% of our heart is for the world and 2% is to God. And when you explain it that way, it's a bit shocking. Whoa, no, 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 that's not the way I am. Well, what are your actions doing? Where is your heart? What, what do you treasure? What, what are you sowing into? How's that going for you? You know? And, and we wonder why we want more of the world we're not satisfied with God <laughs> because it's a spiritual problem. And we actually think more is going to make us happy. I hope this is coming across this morning. And it's a tough message. It is a tough message to deliver. It's a, a, a message we need to hear on a consistent basis because we can get so out of balance if we take by what the world tells us to do. The, we conform to the pattern of this world. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. So what I want to do um, is have a look at uh, how we create financial margin. And um, so let me see. Here's it summed up in one sentence, if you like. We've got to put first God first in our lives. It's not rocket science. It's not that difficult. We've actually got to put God first in our lives. So often we put ourselves first and say, oh, yeah, God's first. But we don't act that way. We don't respond that way. We don't actually don't do things that way. We tend to want to come first in everything. Yeah, but what about me? What about my needs? What about me? What, what, well, put God first and then see how that goes. When we seek first the kingdom of God, we seek him first, and everything else will come after that. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking about the tithe here this morning, although I, will, I want to deal with that just in a little bit. But I'm talking about being prayerful and being close to God with our resources that he's given us. To genuinely ask him, God, how would you want me to manage the resources I've got? What would you want me to do with that? What would you entrust in my care? 
and sincerely seek his direction for that. Not just do what the world tells you to do and buy the next latest gizmo and the, and the next investment and the next this and that. Actually seek God for what he would want you to do. You see, what happens when we put God first in our finances? There's, there's just three things I'm going to look at to finish off here this morning. The first one is you will experience God's blessing. You will experience God's blessing when you put God first. In Malachi 3, uh, verses 8 to 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. That is the church. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. Bring 10% of what God trusts to us into the house of God, that there may be food in my house. And you can see God saying, I know they're going to say, this is dumb, this is ridiculous, this isn't going to work. This makes no sense at all. But God says, test me in this. It's the only time in the whole Bible that God says, test me in this. Test me in this. Test me with your finances. Bring the tithe in. See what I do with that. See what the blessing that comes as a consequence of that. It says this, The Lord on my see if it will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. What, what does tithing do? It actually sets us up well. It actually makes us uh, first and best for God. We, we, we give to God first and then God, God bless the rest. So the 10% we give, he can do more with the 90% than what we could do with our 100%. That's the truth of it. It teaches us how to have faith in him, to, to recognize that he is doing something in that. It breaks the power of materialism and consumerism in our lives. And I'm telling you, that's horrible. It's horrible. See, we, we make these choices about our lives based on what the world tells us, what the ads tell us, what the Joneses next door tell us. And it's not wise. It's not good. It's not right in terms of God. We have to think more deeply about this, not just get caught up in what the world says. We've got to break that stuff over. And, and, and I know lots of people ask me over the years, well, Greg, if I don't have margin, should I still tithe? And can I tell you, a few years ago I would have said, no, no, just pray about it and see when the time's right. Then do it when you're ready. These days I say, no, do it now. Start now. Make room in your budget to tithe and see what God does in that process. Test him in this. See what he'll do. See what he'll do. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. You see, what, what happens when you start tithing? It breaks the habits and the patterns and the, the, those things of the world in your life because you have to make choices. You've got to make good choices about how your money is going to be used I've now only got 90% to work with, so therefore I've got to make some good choices about where that money goes. And you make margin for that. You're returning 10% back to God. And in fact, you know, if, if and Chris mentioned this on, on Friday about something he'd heard, my, my philosophy in life has always been I give 10%, I save 10%, and we actually have got a 10% that we actually have as offerings. So, so for us... It might be Compassion Kids. It might be the building offering. Some years I've given 10% of our, our, tithes, not our income to the building offering. Um, some years uh, it, it'll be we'll give it to different places. It, when people are in need, you know, I pay for a holiday for somebody and, and use our money out of that, 10% of that. And basically we live on 70% of what we earn. 
And, and can I tell you, it frees you up. It frees you up. And, 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 and so we've got to put first God first in our finances. God first in our finances. When we do that, you become supernaturally content. Supernaturally content. You see, when you seek him, when you pray, when you ask for his d- divine direction, where to put your, your, and have wisdom for where to put your resources, you feel the faith builds in that process and you trust in God and you become supernaturally content with what he's doing. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says this. First word is the significant word. Better. 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 Not worse. Better. It's better to have a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. <laughs> and so few people actually believe that. <laughs> we can quote the scripture. Do we live that way? Do we actually live that way? Better a little with God, better a little with margin, better a little with peace than all the stuff. Better something being paid for than going into debt for it. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than what everyone else tells me I should have. Better. It is better, much better, significantly better. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's a big win. It's significant. The world says more will make you happy. No, it won't. No, it won't. You'll never get there. There'll always be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. God says happiness is being content with what you already have. And believe in God for more, of course. You know, the, the blessing and favour will be there. But, but we're living by the world's normal guidelines. And we're wondering why we're getting messed up in our head and our hearts. You know, well, why don't we live differently? Why don't we live dangerously? Why don't we cut up our credit cards? Well, why, why don't we actually keep our car for a few more years rather than keep trading up? Why, why don't we downsize on our houses from time to time instead of consistently upsizing? Why don't we do that? And I know, look, I'm not against houses or cars. or I, I love that stuff. But if it reduces your margin to a point that you're under stress, why would you do it? Why would you, do, why would you choose to do that? It makes no sense. If you've got margin to buy a new car and it doesn't affect any of that you're giving or, you're, or being generous, of course, do it if that's what you want to do. But don't do it and put yourself under pressure just to have a nice car to drive around. I'm telling you, the shine of a new car rubs off real quick. Someone bumps you in the, the supermarket or they run a 20-cent coin up the side of it. It's not worth it. It creates stress. <laughs> it does. It does. Be sensible about, sensible about that stuff. And the third thing, just to finish... When we put God first in our finances, you'll end up with more of what matters. You'll end up with more of what is important. You'll end up with more. Yes, you might not have the physical, material things, but you'll actually have more of what God wants you to have. You'll actually have more spiritually. You'll have more of what matters. You know, Proverbs 8, verses 18 to 19 says this. With me, with God... With me are riches and honour, with wisdom, with uh, riches and honour. With me are lasting wealth and success. My fruit is better than fine gold. My gifts are better than the finest silver. You see, he's saying his wisdom is better than the world's wisdom. 
where you seek him first, when you look for him in every situation, how do you want me to use this money, God? What do you want me to do this? You'll end up with the things that actually matter in life. You actually have margin to do what's important, you know? And, and I can tell you, I can think of many things in when we've given or we've, we've sacrificed or we've done things in our lives, I can mean, and they'll bring tears to my eyes when I think about it, but I'll never think of, oh, that bargain I got for those pair of joggers five years ago was so amazing and bring tears to your eyes. No, it just doesn't. It's just not that important in the whole context of things. You know, my goodness, you know, we, we've sold our house a few times in ministry over the years. I'm not telling you to do this, by the way. I'm just saying. When we went to Bible college, we just went, okay, we can't afford to go to Bible college and do what we're doing. Just sold a house. We lived in a little rental two-bedroom place with a caravan for four kids. And, and, uh, and here's the thing. I want to tell you, this is a bit of a testimony. When I was in business, we were tithing at a certain level. And I decided that I wanted to tithe while I was doing Bible college at the same level. And we did. I don't even know how we did it. I don't know how that happened. But somehow we, we did through the, our, our, our Bible college time, we actually able to tithe at the same level, like give at the same level, I guess. And it was, it was ridiculous when you think about it. And we never lacked. That whole year we never lacked. We actually had such a great year. It was an amazing time, you know. <laughs> you know, as many of you know, we, we sold our house to sell it into this church when we came here. We just felt like what God wanted us to do, so we did it and God blessed it. And uh, it's amazing what we've got. But, you know, it's, don't hold on to stuff. It's just stuff. It's just material stuff, you know? You know, and, and I know there's a story of a, a young girl that came here. It was a little while ago now. She was homeless. She was living in a car. She had a baby. She, um, she was fleeing domestic violence. And uh, someone was talking to her in the back room. And they gave her $200. <laughs> so you've got to have margin to give $200. <laughs> and that $200 enabled her to get fuel, to get help. She could drive to where there was help. She was living in a car, for goodness sake. She turned up here for a couple of Sundays in a row. We didn't know anything about it. She was just looking for somewhere to have a cup of coffee, I think. And can I tell you the great joy of that is hearing about that conversation where she rang the church office and said, you don't know what that $200 did for me and my child in my life. For the first time in months and months and months, I feel secure. I feel safe. Church, we've got to get clear what is important. We've got to create that financial margin in our lives to recognize what is important in our, in our lives. Father, we thank you. Your Holy Spirit gives us insights through your word, through lots of different circumstances, God. Father, I pray you drive that into our spirits, our minds, our souls here, Lord, that we need financial margin in our lives to really be able to do what you want us to do on this earth, God. As a church, uh, uh, personally, God, we need those margins in our lives. And God, this morning, I pray there's someone here that's going to make choices based in that. You know what? 
we're not going to live that way any longer. We're going to live this way. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to actually make margin. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to choose to be generous. I'm going to choose to give. I'm choosing to do that. It's a choice. And just one other group of people I want to talk to here this morning. And maybe for you, you've maybe made a decision to follow Christ. For some reason, you got distracted and gone off the path. Or for you, you've never made that decision in a public sense. You know, because the, the word says we've got to confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. We've got to do both. It's not just believe, it's actually confess. And here this morning, let us pray the Spirit has been moving amongst you as we've been sitting here, listening to your word. And for you here this morning, I just want to ask you one question and we'll finish the service. Do you want to make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life? Do you want to make Jesus Lord and Saviour of your life? Do you? Do you? It's your choice. It's a choice for you. And all I want you to do is very simply put your hand in the air in a second. If you've never done that or you got distracted or you got off the path, here's an opportunity to get back on the path, to get close to Jesus, to start that whole process again. If that's you, stick your hand up right now. All, all eyes are closed, heads are bowed. Just put your hand up and I'll recognize it. Thank you, Jesus. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else here this morning? Anyone else here this morning? That's great. Thanks. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are Lord and Savior of our lives. God, we turn to you with our finances, but our whole lives, God. We surrender to you. In the name of Jesus, we ask you to forgive us for the way we've been living sometimes, God, when it's been all about us. God, we want to give you our life. We want to make you Lord and Savior in every situation of our finances as well as everything else. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's have got a great big applause. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au.